Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Instagram at IGJHood, on Snapchat, SnapJHood. I hope that you and your family are doing well. Uh, so glad to be with you here on this Wednesday night. As always, I'm here weeknights to provide a distraction. And whether or not we're going through COVID-19 or something personal in your life or bills, whatever, that's what I'm here for, to be able to provide a distraction. And I hope that you can stay with me until 10 o'clock as we just focus on what you and I love to talk about the most, and that is Chicago sports and sports in general. So um, alone together, we will get through what we're going through because we see the news, it's on your phone, you can't avoid it. Uh, hopefully things uh, turn out in a much better way than what we have seen as of late with families and um, the issues with COVID-19 across this country and around the world. So thanks so much for tuning in right here on ESPN 1000. You know, with the cancellations and the postponements of sports across the country and around the world, baseball is one of those sports that was canceled, as you well know, because this week was supposed to be my debut hosting the baseball show. This week, starting on the 23rd, we were supposed to have the baseball show on ESPN 1000 starting at 6 o'clock every night throughout the Major League Baseball season. And because of the postponement, uh, we can't have that. But we still can talk about what's going on on both sides of town when it comes to the Cubs and the White Sox because at some point we will have baseball again here in 2020. We just don't know when. There are some that want to be able to speculate exactly what's going to happen and what's the dates for everything in our sports world, but we don't know. Only the doctors and the medical people, they know exactly when it's going to be safe to come back out and enjoy sports the way you and I love to do it uh, at the ballpark at the arena. But... Both the Cubs and the White Sox are in compelling positions in the American League and National League Central. The Cubs, you remember, as a team that was just consistent, they were a doormat for a long time, and they went from being a doormat to getting to the World Series. Between 2015 and 2018, there was 387 victories, four playoff appearances, and of course, a World Series championship that I never thought I would see in my lifetime, but we saw it. You remember that that 2016 team or that era of the Cubs between 2015 and 2018, all the way into 2019 of Joe Madden and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez. And just to talk about those individual players and that, that head coach, that manager, Joe Madden is someone that was a difference maker in that locker room just based on everything that the Cubs were. We hadn't seen anything quite like Joe Madden before because Joe was a guy that made sure that everyone was relaxed. It's a long season. You get tired of seeing everybody between February and October if you're lucky. You get tired of seeing these players over and over again. You got to deal with their odd issues and some of the things you don't like when you're on the plane or the bus with them. But you have to be able to work together as a team 
to be able to win. And Joe Madden made things fun and made things loose. And he had his own way of doing things. Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo are tied to at the hip, just kind of like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. The same way. They've been in commercials together. They've been mic'd up together during spring training. And they, it's, it's well documented their relationship as friends and as teammates and two of the more marketable players on that Cubs team. Javi Baez is a guy that can be a cornerstone for this Cubs team for a long time. He brings a swag. He brings to the table a generation of baseball players that don't care about your unwritten rules. He brings to the table a type of feeling that you love, especially when you're a millennial, because you see a guy that is just going to take that extra base. He will do what he needs to do, giving you a middle finger the entire time. He's going to do what he thinks is best at swag, and, and Javi Baez is that guy. John Lester was the glue to all of it. John Lester was the first linchpin in the choices for Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer to be able to get this together. It's one thing to be able to put a World Series team together, but you've got to find that one stud that's been there and done that uh, on the mound, and John Lester was that guy. I rolled as Chapman as a closer. It was a thing that they had to do because they wanted to solidify that closer spot. Chapman was key for the Cubs. So you think about the Cubs and their winning and their leading and their aggressiveness and their good baseball. All of that was part of the Cubs under Joe Madden, Theo Epstein, and Jed Hoyer. You can make the argument that that moment for the Cubs to win the World Series is the moment of the decade. Not just for Chicago sports, but maybe of all of sports. When you think about it, because it's been so long since the Cubs won the World Series. So there's a lot of good times here. But even during the winning with the Cubs, I continue to mention and just put it out there in the back of your head that Theo Epstein's contract is up in 2021. Everything was going well until 2019 last year. It didn't work. They Good times, the grab ass, Camp Madden, it didn't work. It was good for a four-year run, a three-year run plus. And then you saw this team in the second half of the 2018 season. And then last year, they did not have sustained success offensively. I call it a two-year slump. That might, be too, that might be too much, but it seems like they've been in the slump for two years. More than two months, they've been there for two years. And so I look at what they have offensively, and I look at that lineup on a regular basis, and I say, why can't this team bring it together like they did in 2016, in 2017, in 2018? It happens to some of the best teams. I'm just as surprised that the Cubs have played so poorly offensively over the last, I'd say, year, year and a half, maybe a little bit more. As we talk about the Cubs with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the brand-new ESPN Chicago app, this season – it's going to be huge for a number of people. It's going to be huge for Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and also David Ross. I like Joe Madden, and I've been on record saying that Joe Madden should still be the manager for this Cubs team. I still believe that he deserved an opportunity to be part of a team that's still together. It's not like the parts of this team have broken up. You still will see in 2020 at some point Rizzo and Bryant and Lester. And you'll see the, some of those parts of that championship team on the field in 2020. But there was this feeling from Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, and I guess Joe Madden now that it comes out, that there was just this feeling of divorce. It just had to, there needed to be separation. 
because after the World Series, now the philosophy has changed. Maybe Joe's too soft. Maybe Joe does not uh, command enough from his team. And I just think that that's hogwash. I just think that the Cubs, for whatever reason, they just turned off the engine and stopped putting the full effort into it as they had in 2016, 2017, and it hasn't worked out. And so this season, whenever it starts, will be very very interesting to watch when it comes to David Ross and the way he goes about business. A couple of schools of thought here with David Ross. I'm sure you've thought about this, but I just want to put it out there for you because I want to get your reaction to it. So tell me in your life, have you had someone that was a really good friend of yours on the job? Someone that was a real good friend on the job where you went to lunch, you went to dinner, you were out with their family, where you guys were bosom buddies at the job. And all of a sudden, your friend becomes your boss. Well, of course, when you make that step up in class from just a, a regular guy to being an executive or being the boss, it's a little bit of a different feeling. And I don't believe that just because David Ross was part of that championship team and that he played with Rizzo and Bryant, that he's going to be soft on those guys because clearly Ross has put it out there to the press and to the Cubs brass that he is going to be his own man. Uh, a little rough around the edges. The feeling that this whole Uncle Grandpa Rossi thing that he was known for is not true. That he has an edge, a little bit of a red ass, and that's kind of who he is. And I guess that's needed for this team, I suppose. If that's what it needs to uh, to get this Cubs team going, I guess that's the right thing to do. But I'm going to give Ross the benefit of the doubt. Because we see this now more often than not in baseball, in that if you did not manage on the minor league level, you weren't a first or third base coach or a bench coach, you have an opportunity to manage. The White Sox had Robin Ventura, someone who's never managed before, never coached before. They just thought he was a good CEO for the White Sox at the time. There's so many examples of this in baseball as of late. If you played at a certain level, and if you got along with players, and you seemingly have a good head for the game, you have a chance to manage now. You skip all the steps and you can be able to get right to the top spot. David Ross was a commentator, and yes, he was a catcher. Not necessarily qualified to be the manager, but now the qualifications are different. It's changed now. There's so many that had to go through the minor leagues and get up and down the buses in the minor leagues and manage on that level, coach on that level. And now, so David Ross comes right in and becomes the manager of the Chicago Cubs, a team that is on the precipice of either getting back to the playoffs or falling completely off the cliff. It's just that thin. It's that thin to me. I'm going to give David Ross the benefit of the doubt here in 2020 and say that he's going to come across with a little bit of an edge, and that might give the Cubs an edge because that's a veteran latent team that should be able to have a kick in the ass at some point do something a lot better than what they have been doing. And that's hitting the baseball and being able to, uh, to flourish on this Cubs team. So I will say that the Cubs will be successful. How successful? That's the big question. Some thoughts now from Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein was talking about a, a number of things uh, with Cap and Company. He talked about how the Cubs underperformed 
last year. Some thoughts from Theo on that. Well, I think we underperformed last year. You know, we've been open about that, and there have been a lot of changes um, you know, behind the scenes. Um, some of our non-playing personnel, and then and then there have been tweaks on the roster. But I'll, I'll be honest, you know, it hasn't been as much a turnover as we expected. Um, all along, we weren't going to force change. We were seeking it in certain areas and seeking improvement in certain areas. But I feel like any time you go out there and saying we need to accomplish change just for change's sake, you probably make bad deals and you make you make a, a tricky situation worse. So we have a lot of good things going for us. We have a lot of talent um, in the roster. And I think we have a new environment now, and it feels like a bit of a new beginning. I think the key is to preserve all the things that we've done well and that have led to a lot of success over the last five years or so. But um, add new elements, um, new standards, and um, you know, I think this new environment will will help our guys um, get more out of themselves, and and will help us as a team certainly outperform um, where we ended up last year. I think, you know, the raw performance of what we went out there and did, our base talent level was was a lot more than eighty four wins, and now we have to go prove it. So the thoughts there from Theo Epstein regarding what they should be this upcoming season, okay. Again, this is going to be interesting to see how this is all going to develop. Some thoughts from Jed Hoyer as well, the general manager of the Cubs, talking about how um, the team is focused on David Ross's new message. In general, um, most springs have a pretty good vibe. Players are relaxed. You know, I think that you know guys are, are working on different things. Um, this year's different because we have a different manager, so. Um, his words have that much more importance. I think that you know the first time you go through something like that, the, his message is new and therefore fresh, and the players are really focused on it. I think it's it's just inevitable over time. It's hard to have that same kind of laser focus from your players in year six or something like that. But in year one, the guys are really locked in on him. David's message has been wonderful. He's passionate. You know, really good attention to detail on the things that are important to him. Um, and that's the biggest thing for me, you know, whether it was you know, Joe in, in 2015 or or David now, you know, that's the thing the manager has to do a good job of. You know, what is important to him? What is he going to emphasize? Um, he's the new boss, and he's he's um, the players have never seen him in this light, and uh, he's telling them what, what what's expected, and they're really focused on it. Thoughts from Jed Hoyer, the general manager of the Cubs. Just remember one thing that. It is razor thin. It could go where this team is competing with St. Louis and Milwaukee in the Central, or this team could be under 500. And then who knows if Theo Epstein is even going to be around for the Cubs after 2021. Um, it's not likely because he should have had a contract extension by now, and he does not have one, which is bizarre. I always thought that Madden deserved a contract extension as well. He never got one. This will be an interesting season, very compelling on the north side of town. What about the South Siders? What about the South Side? How optimistic should a Sox fan be about 2020 and beyond? We talk about that next with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJ Hood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Glad that you're with me here on this Wednesday night. Let me tell you about 959 losses. 959 losses since the Sox 
were last in the playoffs in 2008. Two playoff appearances with Ozzie Guillen as the manager. Remember, Ozzie won it in year two during his tenure with the White Sox. And then five underwhelming years of Robin Ventura. We talked about managers with no experience. Kenny Williams had to go pretty much on bended knee and convince Robin Ventura, hey, Robin, you would be really good as the manager of this team. And Robin didn't want anything to do with it until he was talked into it. Shows you that Kenny's quite the salesperson. And Robin was the manager, and it was underwhelming. And then, of course, two bad seasons of Rick Renneria, 189 losses so far for Rick as manager of the White Sox. So here we are in 2020. And youth is always questioned. The White Sox are my favorite team in town. And the reason why is because I grew up 20 minutes from the ballpark as a Southsider, going to Old Comiskey Park, being able to get free tickets, especially when you had perfect attendance. That was a thing back in the day. Get the old uh, good attendance in school. You get uh, free tickets uh, behind one of the foul poles. <laughs> but it was just good to be at Comiskey Park. And so youth is always question, right? When you take a look at this team this year, it's almost like Jerry Reinsdorf said, you know what? I need to have words I have talked about for years on the air, and that is a commitment to winning. There is nothing like your favorite team having a commitment to winning. And that doesn't necessarily mean spending through the nose and spending a ton of money just to spend a ton of money to try to appease a fan base. Uh, commitment to winning is to be able to look at what you have in your minor league system, develop your minor league system, and be able to pick fruit from that minor league system and say, that guy's a good player, this guy's going to be a cornerstone, this player, to be able to do it well, to really revamp and focus on your minor league system. And then from there, once you have quality minor league players and a plethora of them that are still with the White Sox, then... And only then you can look at it and say, now it's time. It's time to look seriously at Grandal. It's time to be able to look at certain players that we can get from the free agency, like Keuchel as a starting pitcher, and make a difference. You look at this team, and again, this is on paper on my yellow pad, with Eloy Jimenez and Robert in center and Mazar and right, and Moncada and Anderson on the left side, and Madrigal and Abreu on the right, and Grandal picked up, who was a tremendous hitter and a terrific catcher as well. But before these changes came to the White Sox, there was already a thing called hope and promise. That's all I have, and that's all Sox fans have, is hope and promise. It's good to be excited, because any time that you see a commitment to winning at 35th and Vec. You're going to spend money. You're going to focus in on the team because that means that your team has a chance to actually compete in the American League Central. And as I mentioned, before Keuchel and before Mazzara and some of these other players came to the White Sox, Tim Anderson was able to come out of nowhere on a losing season and be the batting champion. There are many that didn't think that Tim Anderson would be able to be a good enough player to make a difference for the White Sox. Something clicked with him personally. Something clicked with him where the baseball looked like a beach ball. Dude was hitting the ball all over the place. And he is as relaxed now as I've ever heard him. If you can go back to the archives of the Underhood podcast, you can hear my interview with Tim Anderson during Sox Fest. And that dude is ready to go. He wishes the season would start today, just like many of us would. 
because he is ready to see something special again with this White Sox team and his prowess offensively. So we talk about the Sox with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So when I look at these changes that the Sox have made, Jerry Reinsdorf feels that now's the time to pull the trigger. And I'm thinking, well, where was this a few years ago? And why is Rick Renneria still the manager? <laughs> we'll see if Rick can be able to work with this, the talent that he has in front of him. But I've seen so many White Sox podcasts talk about this on their Twitter feed or White Sox podcast talking about this on their podcast, on their shows, and seeing this all over the place of people trying to figure out what the lineup is going to be one through nine on a regular basis. And it is fun to look at, but all of that's on paper. I know Tim Anderson can hit because I saw that last year. I love that Abreu is back because I thought that was a key deal, someone that is like this new age Canerco over at first base or be the DH at some point. Encarnacion is the DH on this team as well, a guy that can hit and for not a ton of money. And then you have some kids here that are going to develop on the fly. If the Sox are not ready to win and win the division in 2020, why can't they do it in 2021, 2022? Why can't they have... Uh, put themselves in a position to win on a regular basis. I talk about this all the time with the Bears. It, it's one thing to be able to get to the t- the mountaintop and win the division. But what about next year? What about in a couple years? Why can't you be a perennial champion? How come you can't have that sustained success? That's all I look for for our teams. You should be at the mountaintop as often as possible. Everybody can't do it. But the organizations that are run well, that understand what they have in their roster and the holes that need to be filled. Those are the teams you usually see at the top. Those are the teams that are not necessarily always at the top of the draft. And for the White Sox, for, for 959 losses since 2008, it's been horrible. So maybe finally a Sox fan will be able to be fed by some good times over there. It, 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 what, all the other things around it does not matter to me like the attendance issues that's been there forever, a guaranteed rate, or the perception of the White Sox. The perception changes when you are a perennial playoff team, when you're a good baseball team. That's when the, that's when the, the perception changes for any team. You just have to win, and then people will come, people will be interested, and that's what it comes down to. But just winning one year and then falling off the cliff for 10 years, winning one year, having one lucky year, and then that's not going to work. That works for no, for no team, especially in baseball, because it's so very difficult. So Rick Hahn, which is also a change with the White Sox. For many years, it was Kenny Williams as a guy that was the face of the White Sox team. And <laughs> Kenny Williams is, is, is very aggressive and believes that his team is the best and that everybody should come play for the White Sox because of the attitude, because of how the White Sox handle business in their front office, where it's us against the world, that kind of football mentality that Kenny brought. And Rick Hahn's different. Rick Hahn is a different face of the franchise, and so it's Hahn up front and Kenny doing what he does in the backdrop, still involved, but Han does all the press conferences, and Han is able to speak for the organization. So, speaking of Han, at SoxFest, Rick Han was talking about his happiness with the offseason. I think we are happy. I, look, we, uh, I think, if anything, I was perhaps a little too candid. Uh, 
at the end of season press conference about what our needs were when I was laid out that we wanted to add probably two starting pitchers, a, a right fielder, balance the lineup, and a DH. Uh, walked out of that room, and at least one of the uh, guys in PR, I think, mentioned, you know, you were a little little too explicit. You set yourself a high standard or high bar for this offseason, but uh, I think we were able to accomplish everything, at least on that list and uh, a few other things when uh, you include the Luis Robert extension or bringing back Abreu. So we're, we're certainly pleased. We know that uh, whether it's over the course of the next few weeks or the course of the next few months, there's still more work to do to get us to where we want to be. But in terms of uh, the work done over the last few months, we're, we're certainly pleased. So uh, Rick Hahn, some thoughts there. Also, Rick Hahn was on Cap and Company and was assessing where the Sox are right now in March of 2020 with the rebuild. We are really pleased with where we are in this process. You know, we're entering the fourth year of this rebuild, and we know that we've moved on to that second stage where we're done with sort of the for lack of a better description, this sort of asset accumulation mode. Uh, we've seen this young core starting to come together, and we know there's more guys behind them. The, the the stage we're waiting for, the stage where we can feel satisfied when we feel like we've accomplished something, is that third stage where we're ready to win, where we're winning championships, where we're contending for championships on an annual basis. This second stage, the sort of growth stage from transitioning from a team that's sort of accumulating young players to one that's able to win a championship, we're going to find out together how long that one takes. Hopefully it's a very short period of time. I know there's a great deal of optimism and enthusiasm in the clubhouse in terms of us being ready this year and if that's the way things played out this summer we're going to be thrilled but again this has always been about putting us in a position for the long term and while we feel real good about being on the cusp of that until we're you know winning a championship and then contending for them annually we're not going to feel like we've accomplished our goals so rick Hahn, the general manager of the chicago white Sox. I'll tell you what our poll question is, and I'll open the phone lines. Tyler, let's open the phone lines, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. As I mentioned, tomorrow is supposed to be opening day for the Cubs and the White Sox, and we should be hosting the baseball show, but because baseball season has been postponed for right now, um, we don't have a season to talk about, but we can talk about expectations, because at some point in 2020, we will have baseball. So I'll ask you this. When baseball finally returns... I want to know from you which team is going to win their division first. Is it the Cubs or the White Sox? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. I laid out both cases of where these organizations are going, and I think it's interesting. It's very compelling because, to me, the Cubs are closer to it, meaning that it very well could happen in a shortened season this year. That means that they have to be... Better than Milwaukee, and which I think can happen, but you still got to battle St. Louis in the Central. So I think with Ross in year one, I think it could happen. With the White Sox, I don't have a lot of expectations for the Sox to win the division 2020, but in the future, the future is very bright based on the roster composition for this Sox team. I will give the Cubs a little bit of an edge in that. Do you agree? Let's talk about it. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. Tyler, let's open the phone lines on that Cubs and Sox issue. And still to come, we'll talk about when baseball will return. There's some ideas out there about what we can see uh, with baseball. Will it return in June, July? There's some question marks out there about that. We'll get your phone calls in and talk about when baseball will return. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. You're listening to Under the Hood. 
Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Glad to keep you company here on a Wednesday night. I'm checking the poll question at ESPN 1000. When baseball finally returns, um, I want to know who do you think is going to win the division first, the Cubs or the White Sox? 53% of you who voted at ESPN 1000 say the Cubs. 47% say Sox, so it's still plenty of time on the poll, and you can always call if you care to, 312-332-ESPN. That's what we're talking about here. I'm talking about baseball because this was supposed to be the week for opening opening day. It was supposed to happen tomorrow. I was supposed to be hosting the baseball show, and now I'm not hosting the baseball show because, because everything's postponed. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the Cubs and Sox, obviously, but when will baseball return? So, as I've grown older, I've heard more people on sports radio and columnists talk about how baseball and the season's too long. I've heard this on the NBA side, too. Oh, the the basketball season's too long. And I'm not such a traditionalist that I look at sports in 2020 and say, this it's always been like that, so you don't have to change. So you can't change it now. I've always, I'm used to 162 games. I'm used to 82 games of a regular NBA season. Uh, 16 games is fine in the National Football League. You know, I mean, why, why change it? I understand that as time moves on, that sometimes you just have to change with the times. Major League Baseball and their owners, the baby boomers and some of the Gen Xers that might be owners in Major League Baseball, are going to dig their heels in, obviously, because of money. You know, money makes the world go round and round and round. And so there's you're not going to get this selection of owners, the owners that we see now in baseball, to say, you know what, for the betterment of the game, I'm going to get I'm going to have less money. I'm going to have less dollars and less revenue coming in. I won't have as much revenue coming in because, well, I mean, for the good of the game, we need to have this to 125 games. Let's lose that revenue. That's what we're doing. For the good of the game, we'll have 125 game regular season right into the playoffs. When you and I know that that might be even best for Major League Baseball. So a shortened season could be good for 2020 because clearly it's not going to start on time. And I've heard rumors and innuendo about whether or not the Major League Baseball season is going to start in June or July. Who knows? At this point, you don't know. I don't know either. But I believe a shortened season would be good for baseball because baseball's issue has always been this. Is that the baseball playoffs are during the NFL season. And even though the NFL season, when you take a look at the NFL season, the big ratings for the NFL don't happen in September. It happens in October and then you move forward in November, you get closer into the playoffs, December and and into January. And so people are interested in the storylines as the season goes on. So September is not necessarily the big month. The, The opening game and the opening week is always interesting, but the big ratings usually are in October, November, December, but major league baseball starts at spring training in February, March. The season starts in April And it just goes through October. And it always hurts Major League Baseball when they're against the National Football League. Always. Imagine a Major League Baseball where it's just 
the season starts in March in some places. And it goes through April, May, June, and July. And then the playoffs are in August, where there's nothing going on except, you know, and usually just the dog days of Major League Baseball, right? We're not even in the college football yet when we get to early August. Usually that first week is week zero of college football, so there's no major matchups. When we get to Labor Day, after that, now we're getting some quality week one matchups in college football. But imagine a Major League Baseball season that started in March. Yeah, you're going to get snow outs, rain outs. That's just part of it when you have so many open-air stadiums. April, May, June, July, August playoffs, and then you're done by the, you get to Memorial, or by the time you get to Labor Day, and then we're off to the NFL season, college football season. But Major League Baseball won't do that. Major League Baseball cuts off their nose to spite their face because through the summer, we're looking for compelling storylines. And because we don't get enough compelling storylines, you know what we're focused on? Training camp in the NFL in July and in August. And we're focused on that more so than the pennant races in Major League Baseball. And so now the ratings go down for Major League Baseball during July and August. September, if there's a pennant race, if it's something interesting for a wild card, you might watch. Otherwise, we're focused on college and NFL. And so after opening day, it takes a while for the Major League Baseball to have any compelling storylines for us to watch as fans. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough sell. It's a long season. But maybe this shortened season could help Major League Baseball. It very well could happen. Some thoughts now from Buster Olney, who was on with Golik and Wingo earlier. So Olney said that Major League Baseball teams may take advantage of this pandemic. I do think that the Red Sox are a great example of that, that they already were in a position uh, where it looked like this year was going to be rebuilt. So some of their decisions, like when they come back, uh, maybe they're not going to be confident about their chances to contend. So if you have tradable assets like a Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, you know, you, you might do that. But so much depends on what they do with the service time issue because there might be players who we, we sit here today and said, yeah, at the end of the year, Mookie Betts is a free agent. Well, we don't know if Mookie Betts is going to have been credited with enough time to become a free agent in the fall. Uh, that, that's going to dictate a lot. I think Noah Syndergaard is going to turn out to be a, a perfect barometer for baseball's financial system because, guys, he, in theory, would be a free agent after 2021. He just had Tommy John surgery, or he's going to have Tommy John surgery. He's scheduled to make $9.7 million this year. Because of the baseball's financial landscape, he may actually be a, t- a candidate for a non-tender in the fall because no one knows where baseball's financial situation is going to be. And if he's not going to be able to contribute through a lot of 2021, the Mets may not want to keep him at that price. The thoughts there from Buster only. Also, uh, the question was posed to Buster, Major League Baseball will do what they can to play this season. At some point, it's going to be all about Let's try to make the best uh, of a bad situation. And if it means an NCAA-like tournament, if it means a 60-game season with a you know, rapid-fire postseason, whatever it takes, I think they're going to be open-minded to it because it's, as we move along through the calendar, it becomes much more unrealistic to expect that they get anything close to 162 games. Yeah, it won't be 162. But and for someone that does not mind the baseball schedule, what I'm telling you is, is that this shortened schedule might help Major League Baseball in the long haul. You want to burst, not necessarily a long, long, especially if your team is bad, 
I mean, if your team's bad, you got to deal with this from April all the way through uh, September. You're just losing interest. And now you lose the television ratings. And now, you know, even though the owners have their revenue, they have the money, they don't care whether or not their team is getting 0.0 from TV ratings or if they got a 10. It doesn't matter because their money is already in the bank. But it's not necessarily great for baseball. This is why the sport falls behind a number of other sports when it comes to viewership. It's a long season, and if your team's not in it, it doesn't matter how many wild cards there are, you're just not interested. It's kind of like your baseball fantasy league. You might put it on auto draft for a couple a couple of weeks just because you don't want to go to it uh, all the time and check in it every day. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Um, we're talking to you about Major League Baseball and whether or not base, when is baseball going to return, and also thoughts about the Cubs and Sox. If you had your druthers, which team do you think is going to win their division first, is the Cubs or the White Sox? Uh, still to come, there's some thoughts from Scott Boris, longtime agent in Major League Baseball. He's got some postseason ideas that may be implemented here, especially if the baseball season uh, does not start in the spring. Uh, what's going to happen in the postseason? How will this all work? He's got some ideas I saw earlier today. I want to pass along to you right here on Under the Hood. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we will talk some Bears. Some interesting thoughts from Howard Griffith, former Denver Bronco, Chicago's own, two times Super Bowl champion, about how he sees the Bears. Some interesting thoughts from him, uh, and we'll get into that coming up with some Bears talk at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. Also, we'll get you into the draft as well. Every night that I'm on, we'll do something NFL draft. I know the Bears have some picks. It's not like the Bears have one of the top picks in the first round where it's really interesting and rich, but um, we will talk draft every show because uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Bears will do and how the draft will shake out, especially with the quarterbacks and some of the skill position players, because there is uh, a plethora of them for sure. Then um, we'll keep our eyes on that, and we'll talk to Dan Shanka about that coming up in hour number two. Um, I was reading the L.A. Times earlier today, and there's a story about Agent Scott Boris. He's got a few ideas of what could and should happen. He submitted proposals of how a 162-game schedule starting on June 1st could work and how a 144-game schedule starting on July 1st could work. So the eye-popping element of both plans, according to the LA Times and NBC Sports, the eye-popping element of both plans is that the entirety of the playoffs would take place in December in the league's eight dome stadiums. In Milwaukee, Seattle, Toronto, Miami, Tampa, Arizona, Texas, and Houston. And three Southern California stadiums, the Los Angeles Angels, the Dodgers, and San Diego. Playing later in the year solves the problem of playing a full schedule, but it creates another by having the playoffs at mostly neutral venues. While the Cubs and Sox fans would probably make that trek to Milwaukee in big numbers for a playoff game, November regular season baseball in Chicago would be a tough sell. So, Tyler, you you read this column too, right, from the LA Times? I did, yep. 
And I'm just like, okay, so here's what Boris is, is envisioning. And this is probably what he would do if he was commissioner, right? He's trying to turn baseball into the final four or the NCAA tournament. Baseball doesn't travel like that, right? Baseball oh, fans yeah. don't travel. Not, not like that where they go like, hey, you know what? Here's what's happening. My, uh, For instance, my Seattle Mariners are going to the playoffs. And because it's so late into the year, they're not going to be playing in Seattle. They're gonna, they'll be playing in Arizona or they'll be playing uh, in one of the California cities, um, the L.A. Angels, the Dodgers, or San Diego. Well, this is not like Syracuse, your school, or or teams that travel well like North Carolina, Duke, some of the Blue Bloods in college basketball saying, you know what, let me get a cheap ticket or let's take that drive. We're going to be there as long as possible for this tournament. It's not the same. Those were my exact thoughts as well. How are we going to do this in terms of where are we placing people? Is it, okay, one seeds, it's the whole regional, there's a west and east. Is some team going to get screwed out of a spot too? And, I mean, you don't have the same number of transplants too. Like with colleges, you can go back wherever. You can go to college from out of state and you go back to your home state and hey, maybe the NCAA tournament pops up there. You're going to have that as a more prevalent thing that happens in the NCAA because college is, is national. Fandom is more local and that's why I think that it's just a strange thing. I don't think that could work and I get what Scott Boris is doing. I think the bigger issue here is how does the offseason proceed with his plan as well. Yeah, it did. And, and thinking about December baseball in domes, it's like, all right, cool. So you think that football fans won't be focused on football in December, even if your team's bad for fancy football purposes, for gambling purposes, even if your team is only has three or four wins, you're watching just to see how the season, uh, how it ends and how your fantasy football team is doing. I, I don't believe that you can split the fa- the fandom in that I got college football because there's bowl season. I got the NFL and oh, there's baseball in December. Oh, I'm going. I, I don't think that you can draw well in that in that regard. And I think it's also interesting. On top of that, he wants this World Series game on Christmas. Well, if you want to skew younger in your baseball and you're going to compete with the NBA in that regard as well. I mean, the younger person, are you going to watch your hyped up Christmas Day matchup in the NBA? <laughs> Or are you going to watch the MLB World Series? I mean, it's a no-brainer there for what the the younger crowd is going to do. Christmas baseball with in Christmas. I mean, that, that's exactly what you're looking at. It's just I, I don't. I, I understand what he's doing and where he's coming from, but here's something that he's not taking into account. And this is not Boris's fault. He's just throwing a proposal. What's happened, Tyler? Is is that baseball has become, as you mentioned, so regional. That baseball is not one of these uh, sit, not one of these sports where you're going to go from place to place to follow your team. Cup fans that are retired or Cup fans that are in the mid in Midwest, they'll come from Iowa and they'll come to Wrigley Field. I don't, they're not coming for every homestand, but they will make the trip. People in the Midwest, whether it's Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa, the Dakotas, Minnesota, um, even in, in Missouri, they will come up. Because it's Wrigley Field. They want to see the Cubs, no matter whether they're winning or losing. It's just the idea of being in the environment, being around Wrigleyville. It's part of a summer trip. So, And buses have come to Wrigley Field for, for generations. And I totally get that. But baseball has become so regional that 
an idea of having an eight dome stadiums in December playing this that late into the calendar in Milwaukee, Seattle, Toronto, Miami, Tampa, Arizona, Texas, Houston, and the three California. It's just, it's not happening. It just, it's just not happening because baseball did that to them, to themselves. That's what happened. And I think on top of that as well, I mean, when you going back to your point about the NCAA tournament, think about the cities that they go to. They don't go to college towns. They, they, for the most part, go to city. I mean, there's always the quote-unquote host team, mm-hmm. Jacksonville. Jacksonville basketball does not draw. But not. <laughs> for the, the common basketball fan and the, the hype of everything of March Madness, there, boom, it's in your city. You're going to go even if you're a neutral fan of it maybe. Whereas for baseball, if I'm in L.A. and let's say, I don't know, let's say, I mean, this is far-fetched, but say the Diamondbacks are there. If I'm an L.A. baseball fan, I'm not going to that game. It just does not alert me because of the regionality of baseball. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to go to Phoenix. I'm already in paradise. I'm in L.A. What, do I have to go to Phoenix to watch the Dodgers? Now, here's the thing. You mentioned the transplant uh, factor, right? Plenty of that. Plenty of that. Like, Dodgers fans are going to fill that up anyway. What we know about Diamondbacks fans is, is that they're about it when the team is winning, but they have a problem drawing at that at that stadium and but Dodgers fans that live in Arizona sure they'll fill it up but they're not going to get to LAX and like you know what we're going to go see the Dodgers not in abundance that's not happening especially when you can watch it on TV it's so much easier and I mean you got to think about it this from a financial standpoint as well a lot of people aren't working right now are they going to have the financial means to even make a trip like that too it's a it's an interesting thought from Boris, and that's kind of yeah, looking outside the box. But baseball being so regional did this to themselves. That's why something like this could not work as far as playing in neutral site games and thinking that you can draw. That's just not the case. All right, coming up, we will talk about the uh, Chicago Bears. Some strong thoughts about the Bears. This offseason is going to be very compelling. Uh, and we will uh, hear from Howard Griffith and others about what the Bears have done and also some draft conversation in our next half hour as well on Under the Hood.